welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Today, and I'm going to look at temptation. So we're going to look at a range of examples across the Bible uh, where we see the application, or otherwise, uh, of the wisdom described in our passage in Proverbs. And so the three main lessons we're going to try and learn from today are avoid the places you know temptation lurks, run when ambushed by cake, it's time to leave, know the truth God has told us which will set us free. So we're going to start in Proverbs 7, um, so I'll just give that a read. So, um, it's a warning against the adulterous woman. My son, keep my words and store up my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman. Free from the wayward woman with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice and I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. Um, he was going down the street near her corner, walking along the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him, kissed him, and with a brazen face, she said, Today I fulfilled my vows. I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with coloured linen from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money, and he will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray and seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, she followed, all at once he followed her, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Ooh, that's some, uh, some big imagery in that. Um, so... There's our verse we're going to be looking at today, but let's think right back to the start of the series when Becky gave an excellent overview of Proverbs. You may remember that she explained how the book of Proverbs is a poetic book. This means that while it can be a very practical book, it's not literal. The author is not writing about a goddess or a real woman called wisdom. The word for wisdom in the Hebrew, chokmah, is a female noun. So the author is using this in a poetic form, which then makes sense to have the opposite to be female too. So through Proverbs 7, we see a woman tempting a young man away from the path of wisdom. He's being drawn to, into a path that only brings death for him. 
I like the way the message puts it. Um, Soon she has him eating out of her hand, bewitched by her honeyed speech. Before you know it, he's trotting behind her like a calf to the butcher's shop, like a stag lured into ambush and then shot with an arrow, like a bird flying into a net, not knowing that its flying life is over. Sounds really sad. (laughs) So he, this, this Proverb 7 man, he's happily trotting into danger because all he sees is the here and the now. Instant gratification. No thought for his future. In this example, the young man is going to sleep with a married woman. Now, I don't even need to put this into historical or cultural context. What he is doing is wrong. He just doesn't see the danger. The thing about temptation, that's it. That's the thing about temptation. It's crafty and it leads on to other dangers. Has anyone here ever tried a diet? I have. Um, If you have, you might sympathise with me a little bit. In our house, we sometimes have a snack box that has little chocolates in it, um, meant for, you know, lunches and little things like that. Um, This is a massive temptation for me. I love chocolate. I sometimes would walk past the understairs pantry where we keep the box and have the sudden urge to look for something very important in that cupboard. I'd stick my head in, innocently looking for a tin of tomatoes that we needed for dinner. Uh, I'd glance up. I see the box only for a second. I look away, I shut the door, and I carry on. But wait, we need some dry herbs for the bolognese. So I go back, I get the herbs, the box. The box is there, I am here. It's just natural. It's a natural response. It's fine, no one's going to notice. I'll just take one, it's not a problem. I go back to carry on with dinner and realise I need spaghetti. So I go back. It's okay, I've had one chocolate. I know what the others taste like. I don't need any more chocolates. I'll just get the spaghetti and I'll leave. It's no big deal. Ten minutes later, I've gone back three or four times, eaten the entire box for the whole family, including all of the strawberry chocolates, which I hate. (laughs) And that is the problem with temptation. It hides in the places we might go. It knows the ways we might justify ourselves. If I was presented with a whole family selection of chocolates, and I was told to eat them, I would know straight away that this was not a good idea, and that was too much for me to eat. But regularly, I give in to that temptation, letting myself have just a little bit here, a little bit there, to the point where I've eaten all of it, and I feel really rotten afterwards. If I was thinking about how I'd feel afterwards, then I wouldn't do it in the first place. So, Proverbs 7 is the poetic. Let's move over to James 1, 12, verses 12 to 13, where this is more pragmatic, puts it into a really simple way. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. What starts as a tiny idea grows as we reflect on it. Then, when we follow up on these reflections with one small, innocent-seeming action, our thought life is developing into sin, something slowly, sometimes slowly, sometimes rapidly. This can then snowball until we feel completely out of control, or even until that sin is just the way we live now. And And we know that the wages of sin is death. We know where that leads. 
temptation is a running theme throughout the Bible. So we're now going to take a look at four different stories in the Bible, a quick brief look at them um, in the Bible about temptation. These are David and Bathsheba, Joseph and Potiphar's wife, Adam and Eve, and Jesus in the wilderness. So let's have a look at the story of David uh, first. So does anyone know anything about David? Anyone want to kind of shout out something they know about David? Anybody? He was king. He was king. Yeah, anything else? Anything he did that was famous? With a big giant? Killed Goliath. Killed Goliath. That's another one. So what we're going to do, so basically David was a shepherd who became king. And he has this long story of all these things that he did as king. One of them was uh, before he became king, he killed Goliath. He did lots of other things. He wrote lots of psalms. But we're going to focus in just on one particular story here. Um, and it's the story of David and his abuse of power over Bathsheba. Hopefully you can see this picture. I thought this was a wonderful picture, very dated in the 15th century. This is David on the, uh, up there playing on his harp, and uh, this is Bathsheba having a, having a bath in the 15th century, just showing off her ankles. Um, so <laughs> prior to this story, David had rece- received a huge amount of favor from God. He had won many battles since, uh, before and since becoming king. He was at the height of his power, but things were about to take a turn. As king, in this time of the year, this is when all the kings would be going off to battle. So as king, he should be in the battleground with his soldiers. And it was custom for the kings to be there with their armies. And David's character in previous chapters, if you look before this story, his character would suggest that it was very normal for him to be there with his soldiers, with the army, in battle. And so it was very unusual for him to remain in the palace, which is what he did in this story. Here's the first problem. David was in a place where he shouldn't have been, just like our young man in Proverbs 7. He was putting himself close to where temptation would grab him. Nobody else was around when he was on his balcony, looking down to see Bathsheba having a bath. He was on his balcony, alone, um, with nobody else around him, And he was putting himself close to where temptation would grab him. He didn't avoid the balcony where he knew that he would see people and see some women bathing. He'd probably seen Bathsheba a few times already. And so he was continually going off and delving into that um, temptation. Again, just like our man in Proverbs 7, he's dicing with the devil. From his action of giving in to temptation and desire for someone that wasn't his, Things spiralled out of control. I definitely urge you to read these stories that I talk about because I'm going to give very brief overviews, but please go and read them. Um, From the initial temptation, we now have the rape and abuse of another person. We have adultery. We have a woman who is now pregnant with a baby from another man. And the lies that David tells to cover up all of this sin and all of these bad things he's done to this person end in Bathsheba's husband eventually being murdered by David by how he controls the situation to get him murdered. Let's contrast this with the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Now, Joseph, I hope you know the story of Joseph, quite a long one. Um, He was uh, sold into slavery at quite a young age by his brothers um, because he had dreams from God and they weren't particularly happy about these dreams, so they did what any brother would do and sold him into slavery. Um, And so then he had a journey, had a long, long journey, and through that whole journey, you can see God's favor on his life. Um, But we're going to just focus our attention just on the house of Potiphar. uh, Potiphar. So despite all of the trials Joseph faces, 
God still shows him great favour and continuously and consistently is given more and more responsibilities in every household that he's part of. Joseph works his way up the ranks, so much so in Potiphar's house, that now everything has been entrusted to him. And it says Potiphar doesn't need to worry about anything. So he has responsibility for the whole of this large household. Potiphar's wife has noticed, like all of us can notice, that Joseph is well-built and handsome. So um, she wants to sleep with him. So she, takes, uh, she makes a move on Joseph. And every day she is attempting to get to him. Joseph consistently refuses and goes so far as to avoid being anywhere near her. One day, she corners him. But Joseph knows his own heart, and he remembers who's really put him where he is. He tells her that he won't sleep with her and sin against God. And he's so sure of this that he runs away, leaving his cloak in her hand. So she grabs him, and he tears off his cloak, and he runs because he knows Doing anything in this way is going to be sinning against God because he knows the bigger picture. His reaction to temptation is so different to David's. David goes to where he may be tempted, follows its leads like a cartoon dog smelling the whiff of sausages, lifted up on the whiff of the cloud and floating away. David goes to that and pursues it. Joseph is pursued by temptation, but he doesn't seek it out. Potiphar's wife is even making an open offer to Joseph and he runs. He runs away because he knows the bigger picture and he can see the full story. Joseph knows that if he accepts the offer and gives in to temptation, then he will be sinning against God. He has the foresight which David did not have. He saw beyond his own desires and saw God's desires for him. He could see what God had done and wanted to continue to honour and trust God. Unfortunately, Potiphar's wife didn't deal with the... Um, Joseph rejects him very well and um, lied to get him thrown in prison. But don't worry, because God never left and uh, he still looked after Joseph and he had incredible plans for him and the whole nation is through Joseph. And so I'd really encourage you to go to the story in Genesis and have a look at that when you have time. So what can we learn from these two stories? Well, David dabbled and Joseph jetted. David thought he could take control. He went back for more glances. Just like our Proverbs 7 man, he was going down the street near her corner, walking along, uh, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. That is exactly what David was doing too. Joseph, on the other hand, refused her day after day, and eventually he ran away. And that's what we need to be doing with our own temptations. It would be naive to think that we won't be tempted in life, even if it's something we may feel that we've dealt with. And let's not go near it, let's run. Let's think about the bigger picture. One chocolate leads to another, which leads to another, until you're falling back into old habits that take you far away from the Father. But if we avoid places we find temptations, we are far less likely to get trapped into that, the, the depths of sin. Even in writing this talk, I've had the opportunity to consider the avoid aspect of the lesson we learn in Proverbs, and having realised that we don't really need chocolate in the pantry, um, after all, so if it isn't there, I can't keep wandering mindlessly back to it. So, um, yeah. So we can see, unlike our Proverbs 7 man, who repeatedly is staying in dangerous situations, leading to his downfall, Joseph runs. Now, so a quick look at some other stories from the Bible that involve temptation. So first we'll have a look at the story of Adam and Eve. Hopefully there's a picture there. Yep, another one of Adam and Eve. Um, Adam was created by God and lived in the Garden of Eden. 
He was told by God that he could have dominion, which means kind of looking after everything in the garden, and he could eat from any tree except the one that gave the knowledge of good and evil. God then created Eve to live with Adam because it was not good for Adam to be alone. God, all was fine and, and lovely until the snake came. I hope you can see the snake just in the top right corner, uh, the serpent with the weird human head. <laughs> we found that, and Eleanor just could not stop laughing when she saw it. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's Adam and Eve, and there's the serpent in the top corner. Um, yeah, the snake came and tempted Eve. Why do you think he went after Eve and not Adam? So you may have noticed in the story, if you read through it, you can see that Adam was the one who the instructions were given to first, not Eve. Eve arrived after Adam and after these instructions were given. So she didn't receive them firsthand. You can see this in the text in Genesis 3 verse 2, when Eve misquotes, she exaggerates what God said, which almost makes the tree more tempting. The snake went for the one who didn't know the word personally. The devil knew that she would be, uh, he would, she would be an easy way in, and then she would then talk to Adam, because he would trust her. The devil also used the gaining of wisdom as temptation. He said lots of things about this. You want this because it's going to get you wisdom. You'll be just like God. You'll be said lots of crafty and uh, twisting things to both of them and to Eve to make sure that she wanted what he was offering. The devil led her along a train of thought that could easily be disguised as something good, twisting what was good into evil for his own purposes, to get her to fall into sin. Eve didn't go to the source of the information. She relied on second-hand, third-hand understanding. Even when she had direct access to God, she didn't know the word. And that is why the devil went for her. Jesus was then tempted as well. There's a very famous story about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Jesus had just been baptised and he was feeling full of the Holy Spirit and so close to his Father. He was then led into the wilderness for 40 days where he fasted and he prayed and he prepared for his, his, what was coming for him in the future. At the very end of this time fasting, he was clearly hungry, tired and weak. Guess he shows up. Just like with all of us, when we're in a vulnerable place, guess who comes knocking? Can you relate to this? How much more likely are we to lose our temper when we're hungry, or make a poor choice when we're tired. The devil waits for the best opportunity to come to Jesus and tempt him into sinning. If he can get Jesus to abuse his power or be selfish, then he has won because, Jesus, because he has caused Jesus to stumble and fail in his ultimate mission before his ministry even began. But Jesus combated this. He knew the word of God. He is the word of God. Jesus uses scripture to combat the devil. He knows the bigger picture. He knows what God has for him. He knows what he needs to do. He knows that if he can overcome this test, then he would be, be able to go on and conquer the grave. Jesus avoided. He consistently, Jesus has taken himself away from places he doesn't need to be. He says he only goes where the Father sends him. So he's constantly going back to God and saying, where am I going? Where am I going? He avoids the places he doesn't need to be and he only goes where the Father sends him. Run. Jesus constantly returns to the Father. His unique and intimate relationship with God has enabled him 
to then have a really close relationship with God. And it helps him have the third lesson, which is no, Jesus knew the scripture. He used it to combat the devil. Whenever the devil came to him with a challenge, Jesus was the one sending him running with truth from scripture. You can see in the picture here, it's a nice picture of the devil running uh, from Jesus. So let's think back to how in Proverbs, the father tells his son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablet of your heart. The author is giving us the key to battling temptation. The one weapon Paul later describes in Ephesians as the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If we keep Jesus close and know the scriptures, we can combat lies with truth and temptation with true faithfulness to the path God has asked us to walk. So, how can we apply this into our lives? Well, let's learn, about some of the, uh, learn from some of the pitfalls that we've read about. David sought instant gratification. He went back for the second look, the second chocolate. Take a moment, just think about areas in your life where you might find yourself falling into temptation more easily. Where are you lingering? Maybe physically, mentally, metaphorically? What makes you, uh, that makes you... That makes what tempts you all the more easy to find. Do you need to be there? Do you need to stay? For example, if you're struggling with your alcohol intake, visiting a bar or a pub is probably not a good idea to do. It won't help you avoid the temptation. Eve didn't seek the knowledge from the source. She relied on another. If we don't have an active personal relationship with God and a keen awareness of what he has to say about the sin that tempts us, we are more or less relying on our own strength or knowledge to get us through temptation. We have a God that we can rely on. We have a God that we can go to. Friends, we need to remember Joseph and run from temptation. And I'm not speaking from a place of superiority. Please hear that. Um, Everyone is tempted in many different ways. For some, it could be overeating, it could be undereating, it could be lust, giving in to rage, or the temptation to lie or cheat to get where you want to be. Temptation is the first step into sin. Don't let the, give the devil a foothold. Let's just think about the bigger picture and honour God with our lives. Let's run far away from even the innocent-seeming places where we know that temptation lurks nearby. An example from my life I'll give, um, when I was at university, so I was, uh, throughout my university three years, I was dating Eleanor, then we were engaged and we were married in the third year, but for the first two years, um, it was quite difficult um, sometimes, so I lived in halls, she lived in a student accommodation um, in Ladywood, and sometimes she'd stay at my flat, uh, my university halls. So what we did straight away, um, because you know, let's be honest, young couple, we wanted to sleep together, that's what we wanted to do, so let's be honest about that, let's put that out there. But to combat that, we saw the bigger picture and we thought, you know what, this is a desire of our hearts, this is what we want to do, but we want to leave it and wait. We want to make sure that we can go into our marriage knowing full well that we have waited and we've done all, the, all this that we want to do. We don't want to kind of ruin what we could have. So what we did is we took... Um, took the decision to make sure that every time she came to my halls, I would leave the door open, I would have an open door policy so my friends at uni could just walk straight in. They did, 
a lot of the time. They just walk straight in. I had someone opposite me, Sam, who just happily loved to just come in and chat. And we'd have loads of chats and he'd come in. So I'd always have an open door policy, always make sure that I keep my door open. And when it got to times if she stayed over, what I would do is I'd tell Sam, who lived opposite me, that I'm going to come to your room and can I sleep on your floor? And then what would happen is he'd come and get me or I'd go to him and I'd go and sit with him and I'd stay with him overnight and she'd stay in my room. And so we did those things to make sure that everything we did was open and people at our university saw that and they saw there was something different about that because a lot of times what happens is, you know, couples, they shut their door, you know what's going on and then they just kind of leave and go. But we made sure that we were kind of open with what we did to just break that temptation, to make sure we avoided it at every path we could. So I always made sure that people came into my room and that everything was open and that people could just come and talk to us. And that's exactly what we need to do. And we've got things that are tempting us and uh, taking us away from what we know is our biggest picture and what we know God has for us. Let's avoid those temptations and let's run. Okay. So to avoid sin, we may need to do some extreme things and to avoid it like Joseph did. And it may put us in some uncomfortable positions. It was a bit uncomfortable when I talked to my friends at uni about, you know, why do you always leave your door open? Or sometimes I'd go into Sam's room and I'd be like, it's 10 o'clock, I'm pretty tired, I want to go to bed. he want to play the Xbox until four in the morning. So I'd be playing Xbox till four in the morning. <laughs> so, so, you know, sometimes it does put us in uncomfortable positions. Um, but it would be worth it just to look back and see the growth that we've made on our walks with God. For me and Eleanor, it's so nice to look back and actually say, you know, we were able to have some really great conversations, especially with Sam, my um, neighbour. Because of the times that we invited him into the room, he actually then came to Soul Survivor with us and he gave his life to Christ and it was really wonderful. So it's nice to see from what we did how that impacted other people's lives. We also need to know our Bibles. So let's learn some scriptures that help us to overcome temptation in our lives. Notice how Jesus was specific. He knew how to rebuke the devil because he knew that the truth relating to each thing he was trying, that the devil was trying to twist. So let's just have a quick recap. I'm going to come into land soon. Um, avoid any place, real or virtual, where you may end up even glimpsing something tempting. Don't kid yourselves that your own balcony is a safe spot when you know it isn't. Run from evil. If an unexpected opportunity to sin presents itself, turn and flee. It doesn't matter if you lose your cloak along the way when what you keep is a pure heart. Know the word. When the devil starts trying to twist the truth in your head, have God's word written on the tablet of your heart. Speak the truth of scriptures, scriptures to overcome the devil's lies. So as I come to finish, remember everybody is tempted, even Jesus. We're told in Hebrews that he was tempted in every way, just like any of us can be, and yet he was still without sin. Being presented with a temptation is not sin. We have hope. When we come across things in life that tempt us, we can put in place actions to help combat it. We can help, we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and we have a father who forgives no matter how far down the road you are. If you've come today thinking, I'm so far down that road that there's no way to come back, can I just tell you there is. We have a father who loves us and is always, always willing to forgive. So even if you have gone far down that road and you might be feeling like, oh, I haven't done these things or I've given into temptation too many times, please come back. It's much better to realise that and come back than to go, 
you know it doesn't matter and keep going. There's no way you can go that Jesus will not follow and will not get you back. So please, please hear that. We don't need to hide in shame. God is good and he is bigger than anything you've done. So we're going to go into a time of worship now. So if the band could come up, please. Um, And in this time of worship, I just want to encourage you to think about the areas in your life where temptation comes. And just try and think of a plan with God, how you can avoid the things that bring about temptations. Think about maybe where you're putting yourself, if there's places you can go instead, what you might need to do. It might be removing things like social media. It might be, I've had to do that. One of the things I've had to do is remove myself from Instagram and Facebook because it's not been a good, I've had the temptation to think about other people's lives and think about my own life and compare and lots of uh, comparison going on. So it's important to, to think about stuff in the worship time where it is that you can uh, avoid these temptations. So just have a conversation with God in your heart about what you can do. Um, and just some scripture. I'll give you two, two scriptures that might be quite helpful to maybe think about um, whilst worshipping. And so, first one. So in Hebrews 2, uh, 14 to 18, it says, For that in For in that he himself has suffered, this is Jesus, being tempted, he is now able to aid those who are tempted. So he himself suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. If you are feeling the the weight of temptation and the, the, the draw to go into previous things that you've been running away from, Jesus is there and can help you. He has suffered. He has been tempted himself. He's able to aid you. And in Romans uh, 6, the whole of Romans 6 is really good, but Romans 6, 14, uh, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Again, remember, we are not under the law. We have a God who forgives and a God who died for us. We are under grace. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.